Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the fantastic world of Hannah and Barbara, a celebration of Bill Hannah, Joe Barbara, and the thousands of people past and present who have shared in their entertainment tradition. And now your host, Greg Airbar. Thank you, Chris, and welcome. We've got a really special guest here, very good friend, a renowned top Hollywood voice actor in television and animation in radio, published author. We're going to talk about a brand new book. And what do they say now? YouTube sensation and online <laughs> phenomenon. <laughs> phenomenon. How about a phenomenon. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about. So first, let's just welcome the wonderful Katie Lee. Thank you, thank you, Greg. I didn't put any lipstick on. I hope your audience won't mind. Well, this is audio only. See? Oh, good. Okay, See? great, perfect. So just relax. Oh, I look fabulous. Yes. Oh, stunning. <laughs> <laughs> so what we want to do is, first of all, just for those who have already said, oh, I know that voice or, oh, it's Katie Lee or it's Connie or it's Sonny from Gummy Bears or, you know, <laughs> just give us a, a beautiful little golden book history of your life and career. A little golden book. You know what? I found out this is the 40th anniversary year of the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon series. Wow. Which I was on. And people have been posing their little golden books of the cartoon that oh, they yeah. made. So, yeah, I started a long, 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 long time ago. And I have a degree in broadcasting. And I came to L.A. to try to see if I could make my my fortune in animation. And it turned out to be a really good decision. My first animation job was at Hanna-Barbera. And wow. uh, yeah, Hanna-Barbera holds a very dear place in my heart. So yeah, I started there. And then I got my first lead role at Marvel Studios on a show called Pandemonium. Not that was a very... cool show, though. You I think like... so? Oh, I liked it. <laughs> it was, I like that, was... and I like meatballs and spaghetti, too. Yeah, well, I was very young, and most of the cast were in their 60s, and nobody paid any attention to me, and I would go home crying every day. But yeah, Neil Ross was in the show, and he was very sympathetic. But the coolest thing is Janet Waldo ended up working on Pandemonium and became a friend, and 
she was a uh, voice of my childhood, you know, Judy yeah. Jetson, and knew a lot about Hanna-Barbera and stuff. So anyway, I met her, and then that rolled into the Dungeons & Dragons cartoon, which was also at Marvel. My career basically existed at Marvel Studios, which Disney henceforth somehow purchased and now nobody knows it exists so well it was it's so it was funny when people say oh this icon voice this phenomenon but my shows rarely get seen anymore there are different marvels and this particular marvel entertainment was an offshoot of the patty freeling it mm. became marvel and then stan lee came in and david the patty stayed and Frizz Frilling went over to Hanna-Barbera. Basically, they knew each other since all of them knew them since of the 30s. And wow. worked over there. So a lot of changes went on. Yeah. And over at Marvel, they produced for Sunbow, My Little Pony, which we did over there, mm -hmm. the movie and the series. I uh, worked on some other shows, Little Wizards. I'm not sure if that was Marvel. Of course, the Gummy Bears was Disney, pure mm -hmm. Disney. It's um, one of their first shows, that and the, the first show, the first Saturday morning show that ever aired. I think what it is is four seconds before the Wuzzles aired on a different network. <laughs> now, see, I did not know that. Yes. <laughs> so we're their very first Saturday morning cartoon, and I was so blessed because in the Gummy Bears we had Bill Scott, June Foray, Paul Winchell, Lorenzo Music, Michael Rye. I mean, some amazing. Roger C. Carmel. Yeah, I guess Roger. Yeah. You know, I remember working with Roger on My Little Pony. Actually, <laughs> I think he was on that show. He was so funny. Roger, very nice, very tall gentleman mm -hmm. who was used to working in television and not on cartoons and would come into the studio with a pocket full of change. And he'd have his hands in his pockets while he was talking. And everybody, Roger, take the coins out because it's making too much noise. He would forget. That's a funny story I like to share. You know, when I'm coaching voice acting, like it's a very quiet, we wear quiet clothes. We wear quiet jewelry, if any. And don't walk around with change in your pocket. Although that's not a big issue these days, I don't think. People don't carry coins anymore. Here's a technical voice acting question. I worked once with a singer and I said, would you like some water before you go on? She says, I never drink water less than like an hour before because it spits and I get moisture in my mouth. You know, and sometimes you can hear things wiggling around in people's right. mouths. Right, mouth noise, Is, we call do, do you it. use those things at the dentist that go... <sighs> Or what? No, actually, most people, uh, most voice actors, now, see, she was a singer, so I don't know the deal there, but no, we talk about staying hydrated as a ah. matter. Lots and lots of water. Sometimes it's like, don't drink coffee because it will dry out your mouth or coffee with cream. You'll hear mouth noise. Some people will eat potato chips to take the mouth noise out of their mouth, or they'll mm. have apples, if you ever notice especially green apples at a recording studio, because if you're making mouth noise, supposedly that takes it out. So no, water has never been a, a thing for voice actors, actually. Um, you, know, you know what Julie Andrews uses to soothe her throat? Blackcurrant pastilles. Oh, yeah. I have some crystallized ginger. So when my throat is sore, I'll oh, that's eat that. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, also, we make a tea sometimes with garlic, ginger. Crush up the garlic and the ginger, put it in honey, and then a teaspoon of that in hot water to help our stuff stay healthy. I actually, I saw it at the farmer's market, and I thought, hey, I can make that at home. I don't have to. <laughs> it won't cost me twelve dollars a jar. 
so there you are doing the Marvel shows, but you did mm-hmm. a lot of other. You did Disney. Uh, mm-hmm. You did Hanna Barbera. You what was Darkwing the, Duck was Disney Darkwing also. Duck, yeah, yeah. Well, I did Hawker Bottlefoot's voice on Darkwing Duck. That was fun. Sunny Gummy, Gummy Bears, and and Rolf the Dog and the Muppet Babies, which was also Marvel. That show won a lot of awards. That was a brilliant, brilliant show. Yeah, I have a few um, Emmy certificates on my wall because our dear director. And uh, I guess he was showrunner. I don't know. They had those names. Right? Hank Saroy. And he, when uh-huh. we, they won the daytime Emmys, they made sure we all got something like a, a certificate copy of. He made some kind of certificates for us that I framed. I don't have any actual Emmys, but the show won. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then along comes Connie, the Archie of radio, because Connie never... Never grows up. The eternal teen. <laughs> Connie Kendall on Adventures in Odyssey. I've been voicing her for 36 years now for Focus on the Family. Yeah, which is a wonderful experience. And just about every voiceover actor has been on the show. Janet Waldos was on for years along with Alan Young and Earl Dave Bowen, Dave Kenny Madden. Mars, Dave okay. Madden. Walker Edmiston. A lot of oh. famous people. Oh, yeah, well, Walker and uh, the whole cast, practically, we all worked together on Dumbo Circus for the Disney Channel when they first came out. I did Dumbo's voice, and Walker was a cat, and Will Ryan played Barnaby the dog. Jim Cummings, that was his first series he got, Dumbo no Circus. Uh, yeah, he was still working at the video store, I think, when he got that job. Who else? Patty Paris was in the Dumbo Circus cast. And Hal Smith, of course, who was our original Mr. Whitaker. So almost the entire cast was lifted, unbeknownst to the producers that focus on the family, lifted from Dumbo Circus and brought in to do Adventures in Odyssey. So God really laid a great foundation because we were already very, very close friends and we had been working three days a week for a year and a half. So we just jumped right into Adventures in Odyssey and took off running. Well, we've mentioned this on several other occasions. The nice thing about doing Odyssey is it is a radio show, so mm-hmm. everybody's in the same room at the same time, and you get that energy. And that's the way a lot of these television cartoons were done, too, because Hanna-Barbera's policy pretty much was they all have to be there if they possibly can, so mm-hmm. that you, you get that interplay. Yeah, get- that experience, hopefully, by doing it, carries over into when we're working alone in a booth to remember there's a dynamic going on. It's not all about us. You know, acting is reacting. So imagine how you got to hear the other lines in your head and react to them, not just read them. There has to be hopefully something organic, real or imaginary that transpires when people are talking to each other. Is it still different in a room than from Zoom? Good question. Nobody's asked that. Yes, I think it's super similar. It depends. Like when we were doing Odyssey during the pandemic, we limited the actors because we were doing it remotely. But we all know each other so well. We kind of, we don't even have to look at each other to kind of, you know, know where we're going. But I think when you're in the room, there's something about eye contact. Mm Mm-hmm. That you cannot do with Zoom. I don't know if it if it makes a difference in the performances. It might make a little difference in just being together, and and maybe you come up with something or that you wouldn't on Zoom because you know you can poke somebody or walk over to them <laughs> in the room. 
And we used to have a lot of fun messing with each other, too. You know, like writing weird things on your friend's script that the next is there. <laughs> or, um, you know, and it makes it playful, right? Yeah. Especially, you know, you were very good friends with Will Ryan. Yeah. And he had some kind of brain connection. And we would laugh at the same things and look at each other because we knew what we were laughing and what made us chuckle i mean we wouldn't even do it out loud or i'd look at him and you know you just know what you're thinking you know you can't really do that on zoom but you also have to be connected with people to do that sort of thing anyway but zoom works okay yeah i think it's still probably a couple degrees off of optimal if you have to record yourself that is not great either that adds uh, another layer of distance because you become your own engineer and you're thinking about am i too hot am i you know am i recording this well and it's much nicer if you can connect with uh, when you're recording and they're doing the recording on their end and you don't have to worry about that that helps free you up the other thing is you know when you're on zoom you're thinking about zoom as just the connection but there's a difference between me being able to be in a room where I can flail my arms and look, I'm in a four by four booth and people can't see me, but I can't stretch my arms completely out. So we don't have the freedom for our bodies that we do when we're in a big recording studio to act. So that's another thing I just thought of now that does make a difference. It's not the Zoom itself. It's all the other stuff that goes with it that makes it not as good. That's true because when you're announcing or when you're voice acting, it's physical. Yeah, you totally. Just sit there. You, everybody's flailing and gesturing and all that and making the faces. It's, it is full Right, acting. being able to move your arms. And if I'm in this little space and I think I'm going to hit something, it's going to restrict. You have another layer of thinking that has to go on. When you're by yourself, you're more conscious of what you sound like. You hear your inner voice and yeah, they do because that. Because you're thinking of all those things. Yeah. Yeah. I right. mean, that's the way a lot of features are done and have been for a long time. They have Yeah, but separate. you're not by yourself. Hopefully True. You're by yourself in a studio with people and you can see their faces and you can have a conversation and you're in a bigger room than this. So you yeah. do have more accessibility to your limbs. Yeah, Limb yeah. accessibility. I will now coin that phrase. <laughs> you know, you are very good at coining. Yes. I am. I made up the term voicinality. Yeah, which I think is a tribute to Florence Henderson with like Wessonality. Wessonality, yeah. Yes. I suppose maybe there's a little seed planted in my child. Well, only one tablespoon comes back if you can fry a huge load of chicken and then only one <laughs> tablespoon of Wesson comes back. <laughs> I remember that. You are a vault of commercials. Uh, I can't tell you. Anyway, <laughs> let's go let's go mm-hmm. back to the you're rocking in the Hanna Barbera building. Was it an yeah. open audition and how did that go? And who was the director and who else well, was Well, the there? very first time I was there, Jenny McSwain was uh, assistant to Gordon Hunt. And I was moving down to L.A. or saying I was moving to L.A. when I came down to meet my agents. And I don't know how it happened that I just called over. The, it was a lot easier back in those days, I guess, to connect and said I was coming down. And somehow Jenny invited me to a recording session. Maybe I had just signed with Cunningham. I don't know. And they were recording the Flintstones. And I got to go in and watch. 
basically cool. Rusey Taylor and Mel Blanc and you know the Henry cast. Corden and Gene Vanderpile. Yeah, they were there, and I and I and I got to watch, and it was fantastic. And I was nobody. I was just like twenty two years old, out of college, just a kid. And we walked out of the building. I walked with Rusey, and I thought, oh, if I talk to her, because I was really, I thought, oh man, I'd love to be Pebbles myself. I could. That's a part I could do. I thought, oh, if she hears me talk, she's going to be all, oh, the competition or whatever. And But she was so sweet to me. She and was this very is sweet. what this was like my first introduction to the voiceover community was going to the session. And I told her I was planning to come down, but I didn't know what it would be like. We had similar voices. And I remember standing outside the door and she said, oh, come on down. There's plenty of work for everyone. And I said, <laughs> all right, okay. You know, and then we ended up working together on Muppet Babies for like eight years because she did Baby Gonzo's voice. And you know, she was Pebbles, she was Strawberry Shortcake. To be so welcomed into, I didn't it even know she lot. was Minnie at the time. Yeah. Well, maybe she wasn't how... at the time. No, not when she was Pebbles. That was, I think that I don't, was I don't think so. So I always like to share that same joy with people I meet. Like, you know what? Come on down. We welcome you. Join the group. Join the crowd. See what happens. That's so not Hollywood in L.A. <laughs> but it is so voiceover. It may be a little bit different now. I mean, because uh, I asked Andrea Romano, who also was Gordon's assistant when Ginny left, and she became a director herself. And she said, you know, Katie, when you started back in the 80s, there were only like 200 people doing voiceover. It wasn't a huge group. Mm. You know, a smaller community. There was lots of work. The field was growing. And obviously, it's expanded to now there's thousands and thousands of people who home studios. It's so different. Competition-wise, you don't have to be in Hollywood like we had to back then. They're hiring people all over the country and the world. So it's very different. But back then, you were really joining this group of voice actors. And 99.9% .9 of the people were very friendly and welcoming. And it's been the greatest thing. But you've coached a lot of people in that. And the great Dawes Butler was one of the first to be teaching it. Patty Paris, you mentioned, she mm -hmm. was in, and people like Hal Smith and Janet Walda would stop by. Corey Burton came out of that class. Oh, yeah, Greg Berg, Nancy Cartwright. A lot of people, Diane Michelle was mm -hmm. close to Dawes. She also works on Odyssey, and she worked on Dumbo Circus. I know when I was came in, I didn't know Dawes. I didn't know Dawes was teaching. I didn't know anything about it. I had moved down from San Francisco. I really I would have taken his classes if I'd known. And it might have been a little bit before I got there. I don't know. But Joni Gerber was coaching yeah. back then. I knew wow. that. Also, oh, Michael Bell. I did take a class from Michael Bell. He started coaching. And I thought, well, maybe I should take a class. Because here I am with a demo. And I'm signed with, like, the biggest agent. And I don't know what I'm doing. I really didn't. I totally learned on the job. I'm just really blessed. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was kind of a second golden age because a lot of great people emerged in, in that era. There was this overlap. I'm like the generation that had people who were in voiceover and animation who had, had been part of radio. Michael Rye and Janet Wallow and Alan Young and a bunch of those actors, if they left New York and came to L.A., had been working in radio and radio mm -hmm. theater. So we met these stars of that age and then we were coming in. 
So we were part of the overlap. Now we're the older generation. There's another one coming. But we got to work with everybody because they were still working, you know. Mm -hmm. And to meet all those people and hear all their stories was so amazing. You know, people we watch on TV in black and white, you know, and here we're in the studio with them. And it's just so amazing. And so many of those actors, like Ginny Tyler and June Foray and Janet, too, you know, they started when they were really young. That's when they started working. Maybe even younger, hop on a train. I think Bing Crosby discovered Janet. Yeah, in Washington. They both came from, I think, Spokane. And she yeah. won a contest. Yeah, yeah, won a contest. And then uh, she was on Ozzie and Harriet as Emmy Lou, I think, was her character. And he helped her develop that squeak. She could do that. I can't do it. That Judy Jetson thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess it has to do with it. It's radio people and stage people and voice people. There is a bond. There is a... Uh, well, consider the fact, if you really were a radio person and not a TV celebrity or film celebrity, people didn't see us. It was only until mm -hmm. social media that people knew what we looked like. We had this fabulous life and we could go to the grocery store. Nobody would know who we were. We'd go to work with our idols and... And then have normal lives at home. We didn't have to worry about what we looked like or, you know, what we were wearing because that's not what the work was about. And so I think we didn't have that on-camera competitiveness, mm -hmm. I think, or the need to project an image, maybe, like the on-camera people or face actors, as Will would call them. Oh, face actors, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I, I mentioned Will Ryan a lot because we worked on so many things together, yes. from both Circus to Adventures in Odyssey, the Gummy Bears and other projects, his own projects, Elmo Aardvark, yes. Space Detective at Renegade, and he introduced me to Renegade, actually, and I've done other projects with them, the Mr. Men Show and some other stuff. You know, it's true. You are Hanna-Barbera characters right up to the moment because you were on Tom and Jerry in New York, which was Renegade. Yeah, that's true. Now, well, that's being done at Warner Brothers. I don't know. Well, we recorded but at they, Warner Brothers Studio. They developed it, though. They yeah. Did. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I have gotten to work on Tom and Jerry through Renegade. And and the reason I bring it up is because a few years ago, before he passed away, Will and I started to, we wrote a book together, which was kind of fun. Adventures in Oddity. Adventures in Oddity, but we also started a Patreon-supported entertainment show partially presented on YouTube called Tell You Later. And what is great is Will, like you, knew so much trivia and so much fascinating information and some that wasn't so fascinating to me that I wish I would have had him share more about it but because he just had this wealth of knowledge so we could talk about whatever we wanted to and, and hear his little tidbits and nuggets and he always had something to say about something because he just knew so much history like you do well he could and also I'm write sure hundreds that, of songs too oh yeah he'd write like a song a day and draw yeah. he was also a cartoonist he, yeah, he worked for American Greetings yeah, yeah. Will had a lot to do with the SIFA. He he was instrumental in keeping it going. Yeah. You know, in yeah. the industry, he was an advocate for the rights of artists and actors. He's absolutely a silent force in the industry that so many people, super, super humble. Nobody probably even knew how much he did. Uh, he and I both were actually on the negotiating committee during the SAG strike in 87. And uh, that was an interesting thing to be a part of. I know how those things work. and uh, But he did, you know, he was very political 
actually, in a lot of ways, very involved in, and I say political, not just like Democrat, Republican, but political in the In the people way. He wanted people to be treated fair. Yeah, absolutely. He made some really significant contributions. Folks, stay with us because we'll have more about Will Ryan, Paul Winchell, Goofus and Gallant, and much more in part two of The Fantastic World of Hannah and Barbera with guest Katie Lee. 